The Z-Ball Podcast is a casual conversation that occasionally delves into mature subjects and may contain vulgar adult language. Listener discretion is advised. Welcome to the Z-Ball Podcast, recording this on a Wednesday night here in South Texas. Uh, we haven't done this in a while, so it's good to be back. Uh, so we got some NCAA basketball, the Final Four, coming up this weekend, and we're also going to look into some uh, NBA playoff races, uh, kind of predict some awards, end-of-season awards. So joining me tonight uh, from Pasadena, California, needs no introduction, Akshay. What up, man? How you doing? Doing well. I mean, it's been a long time since we've done this. I think almost two months. Hey, it's so. been a while, bro. It's been a while, you know. And, uh, it's been a while. It's uh, good to have you back. Bro. You know, it's good to have you back. And just, uh, let's get this rolling again. Yes, sir. Let's do it. Uh, so with uh, March uh, just uh, passing, March Madness, we got the Final Four coming up this weekend. So we'll, we'll get into the Final Four right now. So we'll take a look first at the East Region Champions, Michigan State. So... Just watching the whole uh, all the games in the East Region and stuff. Obviously, the hot team in there was Duke with uh, Zion, R.J. Barrett, Cam Reddish, and it was kind of a uh, Duke kind of became a little likable with Zion. Something you don't really see, but basically, the Michigan State uh, Cassius Winston, their their point guard. I mean, he pretty much just willed this team. I mean, he's he's not really athletic or anything like other great point guards in the college basketball, but basically just will this team. And then Tom Izzo just slightly outcoached Mike Shevsky. And then Duke, I mean, had some really close games. I mean, pretty much all the way throughout. I mean, other than the first game against North Dakota State, they could have lost easily to U- University of Central Florida, also to Virginia Tech on last second tippins that didn't, didn't fall for their opponents. So, I mean, it's just, yeah, the UCF game, I mean, was was really exciting. I mean, Taco Fall, uh, the big 7-6 guy on center on UCF was giving them a lot of trouble. So I guess what what did you see ultimately that went wrong for Duke? And then uh, what? Too many egos, dude. Uh, I don't know. Just too many egos. I think uh, I know Zion's a good um, – is it Zion, right? Zion or – I think most people oh, provide Zion, Zion yeah. Zion, okay. I know Zion's a dude. He's a special talent, no doubt, you know. But I, I just think that I think uh, in some, I think there's some stuff on his game that he has to work out, you know. I mean, because when you, I mean, yeah, I see a lot of good skills on him, like for an offensive talent. But there's a there's stuff that I think uh, like defensive wise and there's some stuff uh, otherwise. I think he needs to like sort of uh, uh, sort of uh, how. How would you say it? Sort of, uh, um, and make it better in a way, you know. And I, I think uh, some of his things he did, like he had a lot of. Sh- I don't know if he had a, a lot of turnovers, but I did see a few during that game. And I, I think uh, Duke in general, they just had, uh, and they weren't, and they weren't what they were, you know. Like 
during the regular season, but hey, this is the play. I mean, this is the uh, not the playoffs. This is the this is uh, the tournament, the college playoffs. Yeah, the tournament, college play the tournament. So, dude, it's you're playing against uh, upper level teams, and uh, you have to compete, dude. And uh, I think Duke, maybe it's um, maybe they have too much talent. They haven't played with each other because normally these guys are one and done. You know what I mean? So. I don't know, bro. It just uh, I think Duke should have played a lot better, but I'm I'm actually glad that uh, they and they got beat because uh, they were they were pretty much getting lucky during the tournament, you know. And then they barely kept the teams, and now they face a Michigan State team, which is actually pretty um, decent. And but you know what? And they ended up losing. You know what I mean? So it's I don't know what to say, dude, about Duke. It's just. Uh, they had an up and down season. I just think it's uh, maybe they have to. Maybe they didn't mesh with everybody. I don't know. Okay, I mean, you mentioned the turnovers. I think Barrett and Zion had, uh, I think, fifteen turnovers combined between the both of them, and that's something correct, that. Correct. Yeah, I'm not sure how many. And they gave away. I think, like they gave away easy possessions toward the end, and they made a lot of mistakes. And then, obviously, uh, like you mentioned, the inexperience. I mean, recently. Five last five years or so, it seems like these one and done teams aren't really uh, getting to final fours, getting to championships, and winning. It te- seems like teams that are that have juniors, seniors are are winning more recently. So uh, that's kind of seems to be the trend this year as well w- with the final four. So I mean, with Michigan State uh, amongst the other four final team, three final four teams, excuse me, they seem to be the one that's kind of gets there more frequently compared to the other three. The other three are pretty newcomers for the most part. So what what do we see for Michigan State going into their Final Four matchup, and what how, how do you think they're going to be successful uh, if they want to ultimately get win the championship? You know, yeah, I think it, it goes through uh, their point guard, and Cassius Winston, dude. I mean, I think he controls the game pretty much. I mean, he's... Uh, their league scorer, I think he averages, what, 18 points a game? Maybe in 19? Um, you know, and so I, I think everything goes through him, dude. Yeah, I think assist-wise, um, I'm reading here off ESPN, it says, dude, he, 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 he's, he's averaging 7.5 assists a game. And, and three-pointers made, he leads the team with 82 so far. You know, so I think everything goes through him. If he has a good game, if, he, if, he, if he's able to... It distribute the bar, I mean, the ball, and also put in some points. I think Michigan State has a great chance. Okay, fair enough, yeah. So, I mean, Michigan State's going to be taking on uh, Texas Tech, the winner of the West region. So, basically in that region, obviously Texas Tech imposed their will pretty much in the last, like, couple games. I mean, they kind of played at their pace. I mean, they held Michigan to 44 in the Sweet 16, and then they held a good, they held a Gonzaga team who averages ninety points per game on the season to sixty nine points. So, I guess for them, I mean, it's their first Final Four appearance. Uh, nobody has really heard of their coach before, and I guess they kind of control control the pace. I mean, in most of these games, uh, are they going to be able to do that with Michigan State uh, going up against Cassius Winston because? That's really when they've had success, when they've been able to slow down the pace and kind of just uh, diminish the possessions of their opponents. So do you think they're going to be able to do that against Michigan State? Um, I think they'll try. <laughs> but I, 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 
and Michigan State is the team. I think they have the more experience-wise. Uh, but uh, I think they'll try. You know, I, it definitely has to go through what's his face there. I think he's what guard Jared Culver, I believe. Um, I think he everything goes through him. He's uh, the leading scorer, uh, the leading rebounder. You know, I mean, it's an and leading assist leader. So I think everything goes through him. If he has a good game, they have a chance of. They definitely have a chance. But if Michigan State can sort of, um, I don't think they can shut him down, but sort of like sort of. Um, limit his access to the ball on defense or or try to do something to shut him down, I think, uh, I don't think Texas Tech uh, has a chance, to be honest. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to have to agree with you there in that matchup. I think I really like Michigan State's uh, coaching experience and then their experience of Cassius Winston overall as well. I mean, I think, like you said, I mean, he controls everything that happens. I mean, I think he's going to be able to control the tempo of the game. And I think Michigan State's going to come out on top in this one and, and move on to the championship game. Yeah, I agree. I agree. Okay, so we'll move on to the the other Final Four matchup. Uh, we'll start with the winners of the South region, the Virginia Cavaliers. Uh, this is a t- kind of a team that's kind of been knocking on the door for a few years, kind of been in the upper echelon of NCA obviously they had a disappointing tournament last year be, being the first number one seed to lose to a number 16 seed losing to UMBC last year's tournament and they you got to give them credit they really bounced back and then like Texas Tech this is also a team that plays a very very slow pace and is very good defensively that's kind of what they hang their hat on uh, obviously they have good sharpshooters and Kyle Guy and uh, Ty Jerome and then up front they have uh, Diakite and then freshman point guard, uh, who's kind of stepped up big for them, Kehoe Clark, I, I think is his name. So, and then I mean Tony Bennett, I mean he's really becoming one of the more elite coaches in the past six, seven seasons at the NCAA, and it's good to see him finally break through and get to the Final Four. Obviously, this is Virginia's first Final Four since the days of uh, Ralph Sampson, I believe, in 1984. So it's been a really long time since they've been in the Final Four. So. Like I said, I mean, Michigan State's really the only kind of old face being there last time in 2015. Everyone else is pretty much new. So I guess for Virginia, what I, Virginia, I kind of touched on some of their stuff uh, already. Uh, so do you think they're, the only way for them to win is to play at their pace? Can they win playing at a fast type pace that they some other team might employ them on them? I don't think they can. I, I think they have to play at their pace. Um, I, I think it's possible, you know, if if, uh, if Cal Guy, um, he's a leading scorer, if he has a good game, you know, um, I, I think another guy that wasn't mentioned is DeAndre Hunter. Uh, mm-hmm. He's what a sophomore on that team. Yeah. So I I, I think he's up up coming. If he has a good game, dude, it'll be tough uh, for them to actually lose the game. To be honest, if Cal Guy and DeAndre Hunter. And DeAndre Hunter actually play well. I, I don't. Uh, I think they can actually win the game. To be honest, you know. So I think it. I mean, I'm not too familiar with this team and, and its players, but I think um, I think this is this is going to be a tough series, especially against Auburn, who plays really, who's been playing really well. You know, I mean, I don't really follow Auburn either, but uh, I watch a couple of the games. They play really well. They're very a cohesive unit. But um, I think uh, the Cavaliers do have a chance, dude. I mean, uh, this is the NCAA tournament. 
anything goes, right? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Crazy games. Yeah, it should be a definitely a fun matchup. And then, I mean, getting into Auburn, obviously, it's their first Final Four appearance as well, as we've heard many times from Charles Barkley, and we've seen <laughs> him get really excited. But Auburn, I mean, I think out of all four teams in the Final Four, I think is the most deserving, just the road that they've taken to get there. I mean, literally, they beat in three straight games, they beat Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky. Those are like three of the five like NCAA power beat, basketball yeah. powerhouses. They, beat, they barely beat uh, New Mexico State by one point. Then uh, then Kansas they beat handily. North Carolina they beat handily, and Kentucky they, they beat in overtime. But yeah, duty, you're talking about Kansas, North Carolina, and Kentucky three powerhouses. Yeah, all in a row. So. Yeah, so all I mean. Row, exactly. I mean, it's it's very fitting that this is their first time, and then they're very deserving to be in the Final Four. But it's just it was very sad to see in the North Carolina game their their best player go down, Chumo Kiki, with a torn ACL. Yeah. So I think that didn't hinder them against Kentucky. They were still able to employ their fast pace and what they do on offense. And I think that's if they're going to have success against Virginia, that's they're going to have to kind of dictate the pace and dictate the tempo because. I agree. Virginia, we've seen, has been able to pretty much slow everyone down that they've played so far, pretty much. So. Exactly. No, no, I, I totally agree. I in this game, I'm actually going with Auburn. I think they're, I think they're gonna run the ball, you know, and I, I think if Virginia can keep pace, Auburn's gonna take it in this game. But yeah, it's, I mean, they're up and coming. They just came out of nowhere, dude. It's just like. I, I I really haven't heard of them before, and all of a sudden they just show up this year. Uh, Bryce Brown, I mean, I think he has to have a good game. He's the leading scorer. I think he's averaging about 16 game, 16 points a game. But uh, but yeah, dude, I mean, I think Auburn has a chance here. Has a great chance to get to uh, um, uh, uh, the championship game. You know, I mean, I, definitely if they play at their pace, which is fast pace, and they, and they're able to do that, I. I think it'll be tough for Virginia to beat them. Yeah, I mean, this one, I mean, it's really tough. I mean, Virginia is definitely the favorite. They should be. But I just uh, like something about Auburn right now, kind of the role they're on, uh, kind of just kind of just playing uh, with kind of like momentum, kind of a team spirit type with their best player going down. And then I feel like their guards can get a fast pace going and uh, they can there be they'll be able to shoot threes in this game, in my opinion, and I think be able to kind of speed it up on Virginia, something most teams have not really been able to do for the past couple seasons. So so I'll go with Auburn. Yeah, I'll go with Auburn to win as well. I'll agree with you. So Auburn, Michigan State in the finals. So we have uh, both. I mean, so what? I mean, between that matchup, who do you have ultimately winning? What do you think? I would say Michigan State because Michigan State has the experience uh, if it gets to that point but uh, let's see what happens you know yeah I mean uh, at that point yeah at that point I mean it's really a toss up so I mean just because uh, I'm just going to pick who probably in that in that case who I want to win I guess more than who I think would win just because right. it's really a toss up and I, I, I probably want Auburn to win in that scenario just because Auburn. all right just because I want to see uh, selfishly how Charles Barkley would react to, to Auburn oh, winning, yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> Barkley would have a ball, dude. <laughs> 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 yeah, 
jumping him down with that uh, with that stuffed tiger he, he carries around. <laughs> Okay, yeah, but definitely, I'm definitely looking forward to both games. I mean, both games uh, feature, like we said, uh, uh, slow-paced versus fast-paced type teams. So we'll see. I mean, we'll see what happens in these games, and I'm looking forward to seeing right. how they play out. But with that, uh, I guess we'll we'll move into some NBA talk. I mean, it's been uh, two months since we've had uh, a pod on NBA, so. We'll start with the Eastern Conference. Kind of just uh, discuss kind of the, some of the teams that between six and the nine seed. So I think it looks like we have four teams fighting for those three spots between the six, number six and number eight. We got Detroit, Brooklyn, Miami, and Orlando. So between those four, who, who which is the odd team out? Probably with about four four games left in the season. What do you think? I have to go with uh, maybe Pistons and and the Heat. Uh, he lost again tonight uh, to the Celtics. Uh, I don't know. I think uh, uh, the Pistons lost as well. I'm not sure what the records are, but I think it, either one of those teams are the teams out. Okay. Yeah, I mean, really, I mean, it could be anybody. At the current moment, uh, even with the Heat's loss uh, to the Celtics today, the Magic are the, on, on the outside sitting in. Uh, oh, on the outside looking oh. in right now, uh, one uh, a half a game back from Miami, and then uh, it looks like one game back from uh, Brooklyn, and a game and a half back from Detroit. So, I mean, r- really, there. I mean, with Detroit, I mean, obviously Blake Griffin's been playing well, and then I mean, maybe like a month, month and a half ago, it looked like they were kind of on a roll, and we're going to kind of maybe threaten for like a five or four seed, but they've really kind of just been a little disappointing since then. And then obviously Brooklyn, D'Angelo Russell has really been a surprise and he's looked good. And I know I've always made jokes jokes about Brooklyn. I'm not really excited to watch them play whenever we do our over-unders. Not really, but they, they've they shown some promise. I mean, Karis LeVert has come back and I mean, they look like they have some good young talent and they look like they're going to be exciting for years to come. And that that's a good thing for the Brooklyn Nets because they they were really hamstrung when they traded all those draft picks to your your buddy Danny Ainge. So, so. Oh, I remember those days. <laughs> yeah, and then and then Miami and Orlando, the Florida teams. Obviously, Orlando, uh, they got kind of a lot of young guys, and then they have Vukovic, who has really played really well this season. Obviously, he he's going to be a free agent. So, I mean, it doesn't look appear likely that they're going to re-sign him. And then Miami, the number eight, uh, obviously Dwayne Wade's last season coming off the bench. And then they really have like a mishmash of guys. I mean, it's not really the one guy on a particular night that you would look at. I mean, some nights it could be Goran Dragic, Dion Waiters another night, Hassan Whiteside. So they really have a lot of guys. I'm, and they're kind of not too consistent. But they one thing you know about them, they're going to come out and play hard, play, play good defense, sound uh, fundamental defense every night. So... They could come out and just beat a- anybody on any given night. So, I mean, it's could really could really come down to anyone. And I mean, I'd probably just say Orlando's going to be the one. It's going to probably just stay the way it is right now. Orlando's going to be the one on the outside looking in, and then those three teams, Detroit, Brooklyn, and Miami, will get in. I mean, somewhere between six and eight. I mean. Don't really know the order right now, but I mean, we'll see what happens. But I guess, 
Another storyline in the East, obviously, because I have you here, we got we have to talk about the Celtics. So, okay. coming in with all the talk, coming in with all the talk uh, in the beginning of the season, they definitely look primed to be one of the two top two three, top two three teams in the the conference. Excuse me. So, uh, has this season been disappointing for you as a Celtics fan with everything going on with Kyrie Irving and then Jason Tatum kind of regressing a little? I mean, what's kind of your whole take on on the season? Well, the thing, well, the thing is, it's it's been sort of up and down season, bro. To be honest with you, and it's like I knew this season was not going to be uh, it was not going to be as high as they as the media portrayed it to be because you have Irving and Hayward coming back at the same time off uh, injuries coming back, and then you have their uh, the teams would take time to mesh. As it did, you know, they were, I think in the beginning they had like a, a five, six game, like a losing streak or something like that. And then they ended up winning more like eight or nine in a row. And then from there it's been up and down, you know, it's, it's, I hate to put it this way. I think it's just, uh, uh, it takes time for them to mesh, you know, now with this Kyrie Irving thing and the media getting involved. And I think, I, I think this is all like I, I think I said before in the pod, in another podcast. I think this was uh, all the stuff about Kyrie Irving was done by the media, and then and then uh, they just literally took it out of context. And I don't think it was him saying all the stuff. I think it was just uh, the media putting stuff out there just to uh, just to cause controversy, you know. And uh, I do blame. <laughs> I'll say it again, bro. I do blame. Uh, Lakers organization for this because I think they were sending out false symbols or false signs, especially Ramona Shelburne at that little, uh, um, that little, uh, how would I say, um, at the PR person, uh, quote unquote, for the Lakers. <laughs> She's a reporter. Uh, I don't think she works for the Lakers. But but <laughs> no, but she doesn't work for the Lakers. But uh, but everything she, she, she that comes out of her mouth is 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 for the Lakers. And she's so against the Celtics. I I, I prefer at Jackie uh, and McBullens, um, um uh, what she says much better than uh, Ramona Shelburne. Because at least at Jackie at Jackie McCullen, yes she uh, she typically talks about the Celtics, but she talks good and bad. Uh, Ramona Shelburne's either mostly good or hardly ever bad, or, or she's blaming some other thing on something else. You know, so I, I I really don't have much respect for her uh, as a uh, analyst or whatever title she has. But uh, you know, I think with the Celtics, they I think the I think they uh, underachieved in a way. But then again, there was a lot of uh, other stuff going on. Her, Irving was was injured. Uh, Hayward still had to come back. I think he he's finally showing signs of getting back to his, his normal self. I mean, um, I still, I still think it's going to be. I still think they have a, a fighting chance in the playoffs to possibly get to the um, the conference finals and maybe NBA finals. But it's going to depend how well they play together. If they pass the ball, another this, uh, I am the man thing, and I need to shoot the ball like 15, 20 times a game. And then, uh, then if that's going to happen, then they're definitely going to lose. You know what I mean? So I, I think they have a chance, but um, uh, we got to wait and see what happens at this point, right? 
Okay, I mean, we know definitely Kyrie's the best player on the team, and then we know kind of Al, Al Horford maybe after that, Jalen Brown. I mean, it's kind of a toss-up, whatever we say. But other than Kyrie and Horford, who in my opinion probably are the only ones who really have like defined roles or kind of ha- are comfortable in their roles, like between those three guys, Hayward, Tatum, and Jalen Brown, kind of those guys aren't there's not like a consistent guy who's one better than one one or the other right i mean this season so i mean that's the unfortunate part you know because they are all uh hayward i mean not hayward i'm sorry irving and Horford are going to get the ball there's no hands there's no position bus or it's about that they get the ball in their hands you know whether about the other three with tatum brown and, uh, and hayward they also need the ball in their hand to create plays, but unfortunately that's not going to be the case. Not everybody is going to be able to get the ball. So they have to find other ways of, uh, of scoring. You know what I mean? It, it, it's not like what uh, last year when, when the Celtics almost went to the finals. It's like because Tatum and Brown had the ball in their hand. Tatum, Brown, and Rozier. And they took about almost 20 shots a game each. So it's, it's, it, it's, it's a different story this year. You know, if they can pass the ball, if they can go for quality shots instead of trying to play hero ball, I think they have a chance. But if they're they're not willing to do that, then uh, it's going to be another early exit. Okay, I mean, between those three guys, obviously, Brown, Tatum, and Hayward, I mean, it seems like one of those guys has got to be the odd guy out, I mean, maybe in a, a season or two. I mean, gun to your head, I mean, which one do you think it'll be? In a season or two, I would think it'd be Hayward. Hayward? Okay. Yeah, because Brown and Tatum, well, it all depends what's going to happen in the offseason. With Ainge and these picks and who knows what's going to happen. But uh, um, I'm hoping the Celtics build around, uh, they build around uh, their young core. You know, because these kids are so young too. They haven't even, like what, um, 21 and 20 or something, or maybe 22, 21. Yeah. These kids are young. They have another uh, at least four or five years before they even hit their prime. Yeah, I mean, so it's, it's just like you really can't tell how good they are, how good they can be just yet. Okay. Yeah, I mean that's that's a good point. But yeah, I mean we'll see what happens there. It should be interesting. But I mean, other than talking about the the kind of the bottom yeah. part of the playoff race and the Celtics, I, I don't think I'm really we're gonna really going to discuss much more on today's pod about the Eastern Conference. Maybe we'll revisit it uh, when we predict some of, some of the awards. I don't know if it was you who said it. I don't remember who said that we're, uh, <laughs> we're Philly. Philly finally beat uh, the Celtics in, in game four uh, of their uh, regular season matchup. And they barely beat him by like one point in the end where uh, Horford or where Horford and Someone else didn't play. Like, I don't know if it was you or, or someone made a comment. It's like they barely beat him. And it's like a, I thought at the end a confetti would come down. You know? <laughs> <laughs> make a huge, a huge thing about that one win. It's like, dude, he's supposed to beat you already three times. And you win the last one and you barely win. <laughs> it's like, what's, what are you celebrating about? You know? <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. We'll see what happens. I mean, with I mean, with Philly and Boston, I mean, they they obviously faced off last season. Uh, 
I mean, I don't know if they'll face off this season. I mean, it'll be tough, it'll kind of tough to say, but we'll see what happens. Definitely. But uh, with that, let's talk about like some some of the Western Conference stuff. Obviously, all the playoff seeds are already determined. Uh, all the lottery teams are already determined as well in the Western Conference. So uh, it's just kind of now uh, what's going to happen between five and eight. The five and eight seeds, kind of where they end up at the end of the season with four or five games left. So I mean, the Clippers, I mean, have looked really surprising. I mean. Uh, even me being a Clipper fan, I could not expect this out of Doc Rivers and the Clippers. I mean, with all all their kind of parts. I mean, to me, they kind of remind me of some of those 2012, 2013 Denver Nuggets type teams with coached by George Carl. Uh, a lot of yeah, no, I agree. a lot of a lot of collection of a lot of good players, but no one who's really like a standout like there. superstar. So, I mean, they've they've been playing good ball. Yeah, I mean, they might be getting Kawhi or, I mean, Kyrie Irving, Jimmy Butler. We'll see. And we'll never see what happens, you know. I think the uh, Western Conference, uh, I say, is I think the, uh, the 58th seed. I think the, um, I think it's going to be a battle between Oklahoma City and the uh, Clippers for uh, the 6th seed. I know uh, the Clippers are up by two games um, on Oklahoma City, but... Uh, I wouldn't doubt Oklahoma City uh, play. I, I know they've been up and down, but uh, that team, if they catch fire, they're really uh, they're tough to beat. So I mean, I think uh, the Jazz will stay at number five. I think Clippers, Oklahoma City, because it's going to be a battle for for number six, and I think uh, the Spurs will stay at eight. Yeah, OKC has really been really puzzling. What happened to them? I mean. I think a little bit after All-Star break, they were threatening kind of the number three, number two seed. And then uh, Paul George was even in the discussion at that point with Harden and Giannis as the MVP of the season. So, I mean, it's really puzzling what happened. I mean, because uh, defensively, they're really long. Uh, I mean, up front court with Steven Adams, Jerry and Grant, Paul George. I mean, and then... Obviously, you throw in Westbrook there and then some of their other guys as well off the bench. I mean, and they can be, like you said, if they're running on all cylinders, they can be a tough out for anybody, even the Warriors. I mean, and, and if, if, I mean, me selfishly, I want to see them play the Warriors in the first round. I mean, just given all the, the situation with Duran and Westbrook. And then I think, as we've seen, Golden State has had trouble with teams who have, lots of length uh, up front and I think <laughs> we as we've saw in 2016 I mean Steven Adams was kind of a guy that really gave Golden State trouble back then and I think he, he can do it again this season so that would definitely be an interesting 1-8 type matchup and I, I think for the Warriors I think out of all those teams between 5 and 8 I mean that's probably the team you want to see the least right would, would you say? Yeah I agree I agree with you I agree with you there that's that's the last team you want to see in the first round. <laughs> it's just definitely. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So, I mean, I guess with that, I mean, we'll see what happens. I mean, what with as far as the seeding goes, uh, where everything ends up five to eight. But I guess with that, let's let's kind of uh, pick some of the awards, the end of the season awards. I mean, we're pretty much at the end of the season with th- four games left. So we'll start off with MVP. I mean, it's pretty much between two guys right now. Which side are you on? I'm on Giannis' side, bro. Giannis. 
All right, yeah. I mean, I have to agree with Giannis as well. I mean, as as excellent as Harden has been. No, you didn't pick Schroeder for MVP. I, I don't think you did that. <laughs> okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to I have to agree with Giannis as well. I mean, he's been excellent. I mean, Milwaukee, I mean, getting close to 60 wins now uh, for the season. They're at 58 right now. I mean, Harden, Harden is definitely a close second for sure. And as great as he's been with the averaging like 36 points a game, I, I think like nine rebounds, eight assists, something like that. So, I mean, he's been spectacular as always. But, I mean, just kind of the improvement of – the win total for Milwaukee and then Giannis just becoming a better all around a player in my opinion. And defensively he's been <laughs> spectacular as well. I mean, he's been like elite level, like Pippen was Jordan was. And then even LeBron, he's kind of been like LeBron defensively in Le- LeBron's best defensive year in 2013. So, so I mean, <laughs> I think his defensive rating is somewhere 99 or something. That's I mean, he's just been doing it on both ends of the floor. And when he when he gets a consistent jump shot, it's just going to be I mean even better even. So so I I, I have to go with Giannis and then Harden close second. So all right. So I guess with that, I guess we'll move the next award. What do, what do you think about Rookie of the Year? That's obviously a two player race as well. What do you think? It's it's between Luke, it's between Luka Doncic and uh, Trey Young. Oh, you know what? That's a tough call, dude. <laughs> I have to go with uh, Luka Doncic, dude. I think Trey Young has been hitting up as like, he's on fire as of late, but I think Luka Luka Doncic brings y'all wrong game. I definitely have to go with him, dude. I think that's who I picked again at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I mean, Luca. I mean, definitely was the consensus pick, I think, in the beginning of the season. And I think throughout the season, he's been the most consistent out of all the rookies. I mean, you've had a pretty good rookie class as well. I mean, with some other guys like Marvin Bagley, uh, who are some other guys there. Uh, obviously, uh, obviously, Trey Young and Luca obviously have been up there as well. But I, I, some of the some of the other rookie names are kind of escaping me as well right now. Mikel Bridges has been good, but there's some there's some other guys that I'm missing right now. Yeah, but I mean, but yeah, Luca. I mean, Trey Trey has been playing good recently, but Luca has been doing it all season, and like you said, he's a better all around player. So the record between both of those teams is negligible. They're both like 30, 30 32 win teams. So. So it, it just comes down to which player has been more consistent throughout the season, which player has is better overall. So, and I, I, I think it's been Luca. I have to agree with you 100% on that. So, yep. all right, yeah, it, it's got to be Luca, dude. Hands down. Okay, so I guess uh, another one, uh, I guess maybe this is kind of a, a tough one. We probably have a lot of candidates for this one. Coach of the year, what do you think? I mean, I mean, we probably have. I mean, you could probably throw Doc Rivers in there, Mike D'Antoni, Mike Malone. 
I mean, who else? Nick uh, Nurse. There's, there's a lot of cats there. Uh, Mike, Buden, Mike Budenholzer. I mean. Yeah. I definitely have to go with, uh, I'm going to say Doc Rivers, bro. I have to say Doc Rivers because, I mean, uh, the Clippers were never expected to even reach this level. You know, I'm I'm thankful they did because uh, uh, now the Celtics, uh, the Celtics get their pick this year. So uh, I'm thankful for that. But, but uh, I have to go with Doc Rivers, dude. I, I think what he's done with his team, I mean, they made some changes. Um, they're still not that one making changes. Now that Jerry West is, is calling the shots, I think he's going to build a contender, and, it, it, and it's going to come very soon. Yeah, definitely. I mean, a letter next year. If they can get another guy, including Leonard, dude, that's uh, that's a very powerful team. You know, I mean, uh, that's definitely a scary team. So, so we'll see what happens. But I think it has to be Doc Rivers. You know, I think uh, the, uh, the Lakers tried making uh, a pitch for him, and uh, Doc Rivers automatically shot it down. Yeah, I mean, I have to agree with Doc Rivers as well. I mean, the Clippers, I mean, me even being a Clipper fan, I, I think I went on for the under, for the Clippers uh, on the over-under pod, and they went well over, well over their over-under number for the season. And, I mean, to get this a team like this who was not expected to do much close to a 50-win season, I mean, is incredible. When they, at the beginning of the season, or close to the beginning of the season, they traded uh, their best player to Philadelphia. I mean, T- Tobias Harris. I mean, at that time, he he was their best player, right? So they traded him, and they got better. I mean, so, so that's just, uh, I mean, kind of an amazing season. And no one at the beginning of the season expected the Clippers to be the best team in LA oh, this no, I mean, se- this season, so. No, correct, dude. I mean, yeah. no one expected it yet. I agree with you there. I think the Clippers definitely have uh, a future ahead of them, dude. You know, I I just think uh, Doc Rivers. He's uh, I don't think he I don't think he'd ever leave the the Clippers because of the owner, Steve Ballmer. You know, I think with Ballmer, I think he has a good connection with them, and I think he has a lot of. Uh, a lot of power within the organization, which mm-hmm. I don't think if he ever leaves, he won't have the same power. Yeah, I mean, definitely. I mean, it's good to see that he's just coaching now and not being the GM as well as a Clipper fan. Yeah, so because I don't think he can do both. Yeah. Yeah, coaching. Yeah, we can't do both. Just focus on one, either or. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Definitely, just coaching. And that's it. Just, just leave it at that. Okay, so I guess with that. Uh, We'll we'll go on to the next one. What do you think for defensive player of the year? Who, who who's it in your eyes? You know, I definitely, I know um, this is not going to be one of the ones that uh, probably is the most popular. But dude, I definitely have to go with Marcus Smart. Uh, I don't think he's even considered, but dude, the guy just watch the guy play on on defense. He just makes play after play after play. He's always involved, and um, yes, he may not get the highlights that uh, other defensive players have because of their name and so on and the teams they're on. But this guy's smart. He, just, he plays pretty much every every game he plays hard. And, he, and, and the results show. They just watch him play, dude. The steals, the the, the rebounds, everything he does. You know what I mean? I mean, I know it's not the popular choice, but <laughs> I think he should definitely be considered. 
Okay, yeah, I, I don't, I don't think he's gonna win. I mean, just I, I don't know if he's gonna even be in the top like three or four. But I mean, he could be on the all defensive team. I mean, definitely. I mean, he uh, from from watching him, I mean, that's the the biggest value he provides to the Celtics is his energy, his toughness, and he just gets. Uh, he's a feisty defender. He gets and kind of just makes it uncomfortable for uh, the other team's uh, best offensive players, and that's kind of his the role that he plays for the Celtics. So, with I mean, with them having Kyrie Irving running the show offensively as a point guard, so. But, I mean, some of the other guys, obviously, I mean, it's kind of the usual guys. I mean, with Gobert and Draymond Green, and then you have this year, you have to definitely throw Giannis into that equation. I mean, he's definitely got to get serious consideration just considering how, how well he's been. And then Paul George probably Paul George probably as well. So. No, I, I, I agree with that. The reason why Alex Smart, because Smart can guard four and actually guard all five positions. I don't think he can guard all five positions. Yeah, I've seen games where he's he's a center. He guards a center. Yeah, but that's that's maybe for like a two minute stretch or something. I can't. I don't think he can do that like on a for like a long stretch. But he can guard at least seven. He he can guard one, two, three, four. Definitely, he can guard all four of the positions. I don't see I don't see Giannis guarding a number one position. I don't see other players. Can, being able to do that. I think Draymond I Draymond Green can actually do that. And <laughs> I think he can do that, Draymond Green. I think he can, but uh, I just see the way um, a, a smart play is that I compare it to Green. Green's another just a knucklehead is always uh, gnawing and jawing and getting technical fouls. Well, at least smart, he's going at it. He's not gnawing and jawing. I, I, I respect that any day over someone who's going to be complaining and technical foul. Yeah, I mean, Green might be a knucklehead. He might be a big uh, trash talk guy, but I mean, that's kind of who. Uh, that's kind of the identity of some of those hard nosed defensive no, guys. I like, I, I mean, even Smart has a little bit of that, and like, Patrick Beverly. Yeah, Smart does. has that too. Correct. Smart has that too, and it, and what I like about Smart is also his offensive game picked up this year. It definitely picked up. He's he's able to hit. Uh, Threes now, he can do all sorts of things. Which in the past, people said he had an offensive game. Now, if you look at it, he actually does have an offensive game. I think to me, I, I think to me, he's just slowly learning the offensive part of the game. I think in a year, who knows what, what's going to happen with this guy. Yeah, I mean, we'll see. I mean, if the Celtics are able to keep him, keep him around, I mean, we'll see. I mean, what what happens with the contract situations and stuff. Because he already signed a. He signed a four-year contract last year. Oh, okay. So, so, so he's with the Celtics for another three years, easily. Okay, for the foreseeable future, he's with the Celtics, but... Yeah, foreseeable future. He's but he's not winning the Defensive Player of the Year as much as you want him to this season, so... Well, obviously, because that's... Uh, because, obviously, he's not... Um, he's not a buddy call. He's not a, um, a popular name. You know, that, you know how they always pick the defensive player here, offensive player, they always pick, like, the popular name. Like last year, uh, Rookie of the Year, he, he went to, what, to Ben Simmons? Dude, no way. I uh, think a kid out of uh, Utah should have that. No, but I, I think Ben Simmons was deserving of Rookie of the Year. I mean. Rookie of the Year, but, dude, his team, his team, Philly is a, a, a 
the Celtics pretty much owned the Phillies this year in, in the regular season. Ben Simmons was a no-show, dude. So, but I mean, Ben Simmons has actually improved this season. I mean, stat-wise. No, but this is his second season, bro. It's not his first. He's not a rookie of the year. He's not a no. rookie. No, he was a rookie he's last year. Rookie. Last year was his first season. But he got injured. But, but he got injured in the first season. Yeah, so he, he's considered a rookie in his second season then. I don't know. I, I don't believe that because I think he's already had it uh, used to the game. When he played first year, how many games played, I, I don't recall. But I don't know. Uh, that's another debate, but uh, in my mind, I don't think he was. I don't think he he deserved to get it. I think we had that debate last year. I don't think we should re- really revisit yeah, it much. Yeah. I think we should revisit. <laughs> <laughs> oh, okay. I mean, I think Ben Simmons was recently heard saying that uh, Luca should get it this year because he's the better player. Just like uh, last year, the Rookie of the Year was given to the better player. So. I mean. It's not always a better player. It has to be, it has to be a rookie. You know what I mean? A rookie player that that can make changes for a team. I mean, this guy is surrounded by. Uh, I mean, obviously, he's surrounded by uh, uh, Joel and B and all these other players on the team. Obviously, that's make him look better. You see what I'm saying? But uh, uh, the kid out of Utah. I mean, yeah, they had Colbert and other things, but. They weren't as as talented as Philly. Well, the the players on Utah make Donovan Mitchell uh, look better defensively, and then um, oh, defensively true. And I mean no, Ben that's true, that's true. Ben Simmons also makes players on his team look better. I mean he gets uh, his his three point guys easy shots. I mean he, I'm sure he gets Embiid easy looks as well, being the point guard no, of the team. True. So no, no, uh, he's a great player, uh, no doubt. Uh, I mean as a player, he's a great player. Uh, Okay, I, I think your I think your contention is he's not he's not a rookie. That's or he shouldn't be considered yeah, a, rookie. a rookie. Yeah, he's okay. not a rookie. That I, that that my friend I can't really help you with because I don't I don't determine the ruling on that. That's that's done by yeah. the NBA office. No, 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 I, I agree. I agree. I, I agree. That's the NBA and their ruling. You know, the NBA always goes with the popular pick among fan base. That's what they would go with. <laughs> it's been like that for years. Okay, with that, with without getting sidetracked too much, let's. Let's move on to the the next award. Uh, what do you think for six man of the year? Six man of the year. Who are the candidates? Uh, I mean, I, I I'm not even really sure. I mean, I'm sure Lou Williams has to be in there considering how well he plays, or or does he start yeah. now? Yeah, he's sort of correct. I think Lou Williams. Lou Williams, uh, Eric Gordon, probably. There's probably Dennis Schroeder's probably got to be in the mix on Oklahoma City. Dennis Schroeder, okay. Yeah, I mean, Mark Marcus Smart might be might be in this list too. I mean, he's a six man, right? No, no, he's not six man. He's oh, he's starting. He um, starts, okay. Yeah, Jalen Brown is a six man. He could be on the list too because his okay. game has he's he's up to his game this year. Okay, yeah. I mean, uh, both offensive and defensive. If Lou Williams is available, I mean, I'm not sure if he is. Uh, yeah, I have to go with Lou Williams. I mean, he's been excellent, but I, I think I, I believe he starts. So I, I'll just go with Dennis Schroeder, the safe, the safe pick, I guess. Correct. Correct. So I guess. 
That leaves us with one more award. Award, excuse me, and it's uh, most improved player. Who gets your your nod for this one? Uh, Paul George has definitely got to be in there. I mean, considering, I mean, can you consider uh, Harden in there as well? Nikola Jokic. Uh, who else? Mm, I don't even know who else. <laughs> who else is there? Kawhi Leonard, possibly. I mean, Giannis. Yeah, Giannis. Would... Giannis is. I mean, even though he's the MVP, he's probably got to be considered. Yeah, I'm gonna have to go with. I think uh, I don't even want to consider the big names. I, uh, you know what? I have to say Paul George. If I have to choose one, I'll say Paul George. Yeah, I gotta go with Paul George as well. I mean, he's been slumping a little lately, but uh, I just think throughout the kind of the entirety of the season, he's been uh, he's been really good. So. And I mean, he he was like at MVP level for the first four months of the season. I mean, definitely in that that race. I mean, he'll still finish probably top four or five in the MVP. So, I think it's got to be Paul George. I mean, considering kind of uh, the road he's had since he had that uh, horrific leg leg injury in the Olympics. So, it's it's definitely got to be him in my opinion, Paul George. I mean, and he still he still does it defensively as well. I mean, he's still elite defensively. So. For sure, Paul George. I mean, it has to be him. So, I guess with that being said, I mean that that should wrap it up for the six awards. I mean, any other pressing uh, subjects or topics that you want to talk about before we sign off for the night? No, no, I thought about it, bro. Nothing. Uh, we covered all the bases. Okay, for sure. So that'll wrap it up for uh, this edition of the Z Ball Podcast. Akshay, thank you so much for coming on. Always a pleasure. Thank you for having me, dude. All right, everybody, thank you so much for listening. Uh, it's good being back after a lo- long while, and uh, I'll be back next week, uh, about a week and a half, for the first round preview of the NBA playoffs.